Hello, you're listening to When We Had Cancer, a podcast where I, Sarah Marion, a 22-year-old recent graduate of Brown University, sits down with cancer survivors to listen to their stories since diagnosis. The purpose of these vulnerable conversations is to let survivors know we are here to listen and it is safe to share. Perhaps these conversations can make all of us, whether we're healthcare professionals, professionals in training, or the general public, a little more empathetic to the experiences of others. Maybe survivors will feel some solidarity from listening and current patients can find hope in hearing stories of those who have come out the other side. This week, I'm joined by Miss Jacqueline Beal. Would you care to introduce yourself? I am, again, Jacqueline Beal. I am a two-time 18, uh, almost 18 year, come October of this year, it will be 18 years since I was first diagnosed with breast cancer the wow. very first time. That's incredible. Um, we were just talking before I started recording, and uh, Miss Jacqueline Beale was sharing about how she had a kind of different take on her um, breast cancer journey. So would you like to get into that? Yeah, so um, unfortunately, but fortunately, and people probably don't think this makes sense, but I have come from a family where cancer is in my family. So my grandmother had brain cancer. And she died at a very young age. She was diagnosed and died at a very young age. And my mom had breast cancer, and she was diagnosed and died at a very young age. When I say that, um, young back then for them were early 30s. Women, unfortunately, now being diagnosed much earlier. And they died uh, either before 50 or very early 50s. So for me, that's still relatively young for any woman. So when I got diagnosed, um, I was young in my 30s <laughs> as well, and um, because I've had the benefit of being a caregiver for my mom, I uh, had a, a lens by which I could look at uh, this thing called breast cancer just a tad bit differently and make a decision about how I was going to address my journey. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and so what what did that look like? I decided early on that I wasn't going to um, take in anything negative. So, you know, when you get diagnosed with cancer, everybody will say, you know, I have a friend or I, and if it didn't have a happy ending, I didn't want to hear the story. So if you were going to say, oh, I had a friend that was diagnosed with breast cancer and she died, don't, don't tell me the story. Because, you know, being someone diagnosed with cancer, People hear the word cancer all the time and they think death. And I just decided, okay, I wasn't going to let that space in my head even go there. So the way for me to try to combat that is I needed just positivity in my life. And so I didn't want to hear those stories where it didn't have a happy ending. And I just needed to surround myself around a whole lot of love and laughter. And my journey had a lot of laughter that some people might be offended by some of the things my family and friends did and said, but it was medicine for me. So. Yeah, no, I really admire that. Um, and it's it's very kind of inspiring, I guess. Did your, did your mother kind of cultivate the same sort of positive energy during her journey? She, sometimes, but, but not, not as, not as much. And, and primarily because I, I think Back then, you know, cancer, we especially breast cancer, we hadn't progressed as much as we have now. So her treatment was different, and you know, 
they didn't we didn't have as many options around integrative you know support and things like that that can help your mental state when you get diagnosed with cancer whereas now we have support groups we have a whole bunch of stuff that helps us with uh, the diagnosis and treatment yeah that's super fair so I I'm just very curious about I guess how like did your journey overlap with your mother's it did not no it did not so um my mom died I was uh Shortly after, I think I was, if I remember correctly, I was graduating from college. And so, um, you know, she had been deceased for a while. And then one day, I knew enough with my history to do my self exams, Mm -hmm. um, breast exams. And so I was doing one and I found the lump. And while I had that family history, I'm not, I wouldn't say I was in denial. But I was also like, I can't believe this is happening to me. When in fact, I should have believed this was happening to me. Right. But um, I want to say I was wise enough, thank God, that I said, okay, I need to have this checked out. And that's one of the things I tell all women. Do yourself a breast examinations. Um, it's the best thing you can do for yourself. You know your body better than anyone. And if something doesn't feel right, have it checked out immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... Can you tell me a little bit more about that experience? So you find the lump, you go. I go. I see have oncologist. A, um, I go um, see my. I think it was my gynecologist at the time, and she's okay. like, "Yep, I think so. I feel something too." Mm-hmm. And so she sends me to get a mammogram, and you know, it didn't show up on the mammogram. Really? Like, you have to remember, and it's a lot of uh, um, a, a lot of education around it now, which I am grateful for, and I applaud is women who have dense breasts, you know, on the mammogram, if there's something because breast density shows up as white and cancer does too, it's hard to detect it. It kind of looks the same. And so it shows up as white. So if cancer showing up as white and you got breast density tissue showing up as white too, it's hard to detect it. So, um, but now we have 3D mammography. So you know, we can do a better job of detecting it. And also we have supplemental tests, which I had after it didn't show up on the um, mammogram. I'm glad my physician kept going. And so she sent me to have a sonogram and it didn't show up on that either. Wow. <laughs> I apparently I had at the time really dense breasts. And, and so, so during this, were you still convinced something was wrong? Oh yeah, you could feel what? it. I mean, you know, I knew something wasn't normal yeah. because I could feel it. It wasn't like, you know... Like, I'm not making this up. (laughs) No, and she didn't, unfortunately, she didn't think I was either. So after the sonogram, she sent me to have a biopsy. And so um, I went to have a biopsy. And here's where the laughter I knew I'd need to surround myself by because when I I was at work and when I um, got my results um, from the um, radiologist around my biopsy, and I remember getting the call, and I was in the office, and, you know, it's like, how are you, Jacqueline? I was like, well, you tell me. <laughs> and uh, he says, not good. And before I asked the question, I could hear all this background noise, and I'm like, where are you? And he was like, I'm in New York, hell in a cab, but you have breast cancer. And at that moment, I said to myself, this journey is going to be interesting, and here's the start of where I need a whole lot of laughter. Oh, my <laughs> because God. That's I'm like, crazy. okay, what do I do now? He's like, you need to find a breast surgeon. I was like, okay, thanks, wow. I guess. <laughs> 
That, that's crazy, yeah. I, but you know, it, everything happens for a reason. And so I think it was, for me, God's way of saying, you said laughter, here you go. Let's, we're going we to kick this thing off. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so you have a surgery, I'm assuming. So I, I, I take, um, I call my sister, I have one sibling. Um, I called my sister, and um, she's like, are you leaving? I'm like, mm-mm, I'm going to finish my day out at work. What, what, what am I going to do? Go home and have my pity party early? I'll have it tomorrow. So I do that. I go home, and I have my pity party. Woe is me. Why me? And until I saw this uh, St. Jude commercial where these little teeny babies were you know, diagnosed with cancer and going through chemo, and it was like God said, they, they haven't had as long as you to not have cancer. So I immediately got over myself and said, okay, let's, let's get the life together, get in gear, and let's fight this thing. So in parallel, my friends and my family were researching surgeons, um, breast surgeons for me. And so my sister and I, the next day, we went and interviewed um, three of them. And I know everybody thinks they have the best one. Of course, my, I think mine was just absolutely phenomenal uh, because by the time I got there, she had all of my information, all of my films. She had already discussed with um, the oncologist, the radiologist. I mean, she had already had conversations with her team. And this was on a Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. And she said, Friday is your last day in the office for about a month. On Monday you have pre-surgery and Tuesday we have surgery. We gotta get this out of you. I said okay, and uh, so I ended up having. It was in October, so October is my favorite month for a lot of reasons. One, um, it's also my birthday month. Two, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. Three, October is all things falling pretty, but it's be, it's when I believe I was starting my new life as well, which has been, I tell people all the time, it's been a blessing. Um, the diagnosis has been a blessing. People think I'm crazy, but, uh, and I'll share more about that why later, but so I ended up having a lumpectomy, chemotherapy, and radiation, um, and which uh, is chemo, I tell people. I don't minimize it, it was simply horrible, but um, you know, you gotta get through it and yeah. keep moving. And what helped you get through it? Laughter and love. I remember one time I tell, laughter is funny, I tell this story so my, you know, I, I was blessed because, you know, every time I went to a chemo session, I had someone with me and that's not the case for everyone. I saw people there by themselves and, you know, my heart broke for them because it's just horrible going through it by yourself. So I always had somebody, someone there. And we were leaving, my sister and I were leaving the chemo session and I don't know where she got it from. But anyway, we were, we were in the elevator, and I was sick as can be. And uh, my sister was with me, and this woman got on the elevator, and she was like, is she okay? And my sister said, oh, yeah, she, she just got a little bit of cancer. She's fine. And the woman looked horrified as if, you know, how could you say that? But for me, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. That's why I say some people might be like, oh my God, how can they make fun of that? But that's how I, that helped me heal. Yeah. Definitely, you know, an unconventional story I've heard. Um, But it's amazing nonetheless. I think it's really incredible. 
that you were just able to keep such a good attitude. I did, but I, you know, transparently behind closed doors, you know, there were times when I just walked in and fell to my knees and I was like, God, I hate this. But I had to, in the face of my family, let them know that, you know what, everyone that has gotten this disease in our family has died. I'm, that's not going to happen to me. Remember, I have a sister who has, you know, our mother died, our grandmother and, you know, and other relatives. And I'm just like, that's just not going to be my ending. You know, I'm just not going to do that. And I also have a niece. And at the time, I think she was about eight. And I remember in the car, my sister and I, my niece, we were in the car. I don't know where we were going or what we were doing. And uh, my aunt had just written a book. And in the book, it talks about this woman having cancer. And, you know, I, I didn't read the book at a time, again, because I was only going to associate things that had happy endings. And I didn't know what that ending was. But I knew it was about a woman that had cancer, and I didn't know whether it was, you know, her telling about our family, in which case it would have been her sister that died from cancer, or what it was. So I didn't read the book. And so my sister did, and so we were in the car talking, and my niece, who was young then, she said, um, she asked her mom, I think we were talking about the book, and my niece said, um, she asked her mother, she said, um, Mommy, um, your mother had cancer, and my sister said yes, and my niece said she died, and my sister said yes. And my niece said, and her mother had cancer, and my sister said yes, and my niece said, and she died, and my sister said yes. And I could see where this is going, and so she says, and Jackie has cancer, and I say, yep, and I'm not going anywhere. Because in her mind, you know, my, this little girl's mind, everybody who gets cancer is going to die, and I was like, mm-mm, and I'm not going anywhere. So I needed to make sure I provided that same outlook, if, if not just for me, but the people that I was, you know, surrounded by. Yeah. Do you think, I'm, I'm curious how your sister, and I mean, you shared the moment in the elevator, mm -hmm. so clearly had some good attitude some of the time, but was she on the same page as you this entire time of... of my convinced you weren't going to be I don't know my sister keeps everything in she has you know hard shell on the outside soft in the inside and I am almost certain um, no she was afraid to yeah. because yeah and so for her especially I'm like I'm not I'm not going anywhere but she had in order to believe it she had to see it and I'm yeah. sure when it came back the second time it was probably a like again because my, my mother had it twice and the second time she didn't live through it so I'm sure the second time when I was diagnosed my sister probably was revisiting you know the path that our mother and grandmother had gone through yeah so when you were diagnosed the second time was that um was did that come from the mammogram you had again it was unbelievable I found the lump Wow. Unbelievable. Found the lump. And um, I again called my, at this time now I have a breast surgeon, but she was on vacation. So I called um, my other physicians and, um, you know, again, okay, let's go get a sonogram, <laughs> a mammogram, a sonogram. Okay. And we're going through the same thing again, yeah. literally the same process because it didn't show up on a mammogram, it didn't show up on a sonogram. So by the time my breast surgeon gets back, 
clearly it's grown and she immediately sends me over to get a biopsy and here we go again. Was it the same breast? Mm-hmm. Very same breast. And so, um, you know, like, yep, here you go again. And But I decided a different path. So I decided, you know, and, and I don't think I had an option because my breast surgeon was great. And she's like, you know, we're not going to keep chopping up your breast. You know, initially she was like, well, let's do some breast preservation. We don't have to be as radical. as. But this time, this is like, it's come back in the same breast. I was like, and I agree with you. Let's just chop it off. Give me a new one. And let's just keep this thing moving. Because by this time, now I'm angry about the whole thing. Because it's becoming an interruption in my life. By the time I just finished with the first one, started to go on with life. And I'm like, and here you are again. And so I'm angry at this point. I'm like, I'm just like sick of cancer. (laughs) So I probably had, I know I had different choice words for cancer at the time, but I'm just like, I'm just tired of you. And so, you know, there were recommendations that I have chemo uh, again. And I'm like, nah, because by this time, I've learned enough about treatment and cancer. And I'm like, Nope, I'm not doing chemo again. It's horrible. It causes, for me, and this is just me, I would never tell anyone not to do chemo or advise them on their treatment. But for Jacqueline, (laughs) I decided I'm not doing it again. And I got opposition from my family and friends about, because, you know, traditional medicine. Right. I'm not doing it (laughs) because it can cause other cancers for me. And and I just, I wasn't going to do it. And so... I remember, um, and I was slightly torn too, because you know, the experts are saying you should, and then I'm saying I'm not. And so I remember waking up, and I told I hadn't made my final decision, but I remember waking up in the middle of the night, and um, I know now it's like God waking me up, because I was praying, I was like, should I or shouldn't I, you know, what do you want me to do? <laughs> and so. I woke up in the middle of the night and he said Hebrews 11. And I was fairly um, early in my Christian walk. And I was just like, okay, where's Hebrews 11? Let me get the Bible. Where's Hebrews 11? And it's in um, the New Testament. And it's a scripture that says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And for me, I'm like, that's a wrap. I'm trusting you, God, and I'm not getting chemo. And I told my family and my physicians, like, Mm-mm, I'm not doing that again. And, you know, thank God it's been 18 years later. I'm, <laughs> I'm honestly speechless. Okay, so what, what treatment plan... I just decided, so I I did make some changes, so I didn't have chemo, but I, you know, I was doing research about, you know, you know, what can help prevent cancer. Um, Yeah. And so I changed my diet, so I became, you know, a a pescatarian, and what that is, is I eat fish, and so I'm not a vegetarian, so I became a pescatarian, and I just incorporated more of the, the good stuff we're supposed to be eating. in in our diets because I am, you know, if I'm honest with myself, I wasn't eating prior to cancer, you know, or thinking about, you know, healthy eating prior to cancer, but I adopted that lifestyle after, you know, cancer. So, okay, (laughs) sorry. So you 
were diagnosed with cancer again. Mm-hmm. And the recommendation was to do chemotherapy. Yep. You did not end up doing chemotherapy nope. or surgery. I did I did have you a did mastectomy. Had I had a mastectomy with some reconstruction. Okay. Yep. And no radiation. Nope. You t- you took on a pescatarian diet. Yes. And it's been 18 years since yep. the second October diagnosis. 18 years. Wow. Yeah, I know. So, but you know, like I said, and people, I tell people all the time, that's just my, that's my yeah. journey. <laughs> I, I don't want people saying, well, Jacqueline said, no, <laughs> Jacqueline is saying for herself. That's yeah. what she chose. Do, well, that's amazing. And I'm, you know, very inspired by all of, all of your journey um, experiences. But um, I'm curious, you know, what survivorship has been like for you? Fabulous. I, I, you know what, and, and people think, like, she's pregnant. It has been wonderful. It, I can honestly say because of the diagnosis of cancer, that I'm going to caveat, caveat this early on, I, I'm not going to say I'm glad I got it because <laughs> I wish I never had once or twice or ever. But, you know, it happened. And so as a result of it, um, it, it changed me. And it changed my life. And so um, I look back over the years and I say, had it not been for that diagnosis, I probably wouldn't be on the path that I've been on over the years and continue to go on going forward. It's interesting. I mean, I'm assuming part of that entails your spirituality. Your- mm-hmm. It does, but it's 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 me in in general. I think well, I know I'm more compassionate. Mm-hmm. I'm more in tune with people. Yeah. Um, and uh, I recognize that there is nothing special about Jacqueline. <laughs> you know, there are lots of women, millions, unfortunately, that get diagnosed with breast cancer. Some have. I know I have friends that have diagnosed you know after me and died you know and and I used to feel guilty about that because I'm like you know why am I still here but what I decided was that um, my survivorship isn't about me it is about making sure that I help everybody else that gets diagnosed with this disease in some small way help them with their journey. So I just, I know that I've been given a little more grace here on earth to do that. Because it's not about me, it's about giving hope to people and say, it doesn't have to mean death, look at me. And so I've That's decided- That's really powerful. I, you know, I, I'm, I hope so. And so I've decided in, you know, I call it the second act of my life, um, that I'm gonna do everything that I can to help make that happen that's amazing so i'm a, you're part of the um miss thelma jones is her story I'm a, organization i'm, a, or? I'm um, used to be on her board so i'm emeritus but i i do other things so i um i am the maryland state ambassador for the american cancer society cancer action network because you know the american cancer society was really good to me when i was going through my journey they had programs that helped me and so as a way to give back, I decided to volunteer with the American Cancer Society, and I did, and I worked on um, with some of their programs, but I didn't think I was being as impactful 
as I could. So um, they, their advocacy organization, the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, um, is a place where you can use your voice, the power of your pen and your purse if you want to help drive legislation that makes sure there are protections in place for people diagnosed with cancer. And so I thought, okay, since I have a big mouth, <laughs> I, could, I could be more impactful to help affect change in that way. And so um, I guess they thought so too. So I'm the, for Maryland, the state ambassador, and I do that. And then um, my surgery was um, out of suburban hospital, and so a way to give back there, I am a um, breast cancer ambassador. And so what I do is I go visit patients that have had um, um, surgery, and before they're discharged from the hospital, um, go provide them with um, um, these lovely baskets. We've partnered with an organization that provides baskets of things that we think they need once they leave the hospital. But more importantly, to have them see a face of someone who's, who's been right where you are, I've been in that bed, about to leave, and guess what? It can be okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's really great. Um, is it ever hard? To kind you, of, you know, because there's so much empathy, and, and you, I mean, you had, you know, it's a great a, story, but still. I remember when I realized it was hard um, um, to, to make sure I um, keep their anonymity, um, I'll just say there was a person that um, I met and this was recently, um, and almost a perfect stranger. I mean, maybe had been in contact with the person two, three times. And I, you know, I don't think they're coincidences, so I think God brings people together for a reason. And, you know, it just by chance, uh, she talked to me, and um, it was recommended that, um, she'd go to the emergency room and admit herself because she had a form of cancer. And um, we were just talking, and I just told her, I said, it can be okay. And she, she didn't know my story, but I shared with her, I said, I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor. It's been 18 years. I said, it can be okay. And I said, it's going to be a journey. It's not going to be easy. I said, but it can be okay. And I said, um, you know, um, I'm happy to come to the hospital and check check on you or be with you until your support system gets there. And I remember that evening, uh, my sister and I were going to um, our high school basketball game. And that wasn't over until like 9 p.m. or so. And my sister said, where are you going? I was like, I promised this woman <laughs> that I would come visit her. And I was just like, I gotta go. And so I was just like, I'm going to the hospital. Um, to see her and so I did and you know we chatted and everything and so when I was leaving um, I realized then that it still hurt and it didn't it didn't still hurt me but it still hurt to see people going through the journey and I and the way I knew it hurt is because I broke down and cried because I was just like seriously I mean you know because she was young and I'm just like she has her whole life, and you know, now this. And I was just like, you know, this thing just, yeah. So, yeah, I have, you know, times like those. Mm -hmm. 
in in moments like those, mm-hmm. do you ever feel like your faith is challenged or? Yeah, yeah. I do. I, I do. So, <laughs> you know, because the whole time I'm driving home and I'm crying, I'm like, I hate this. And when are we going to get a part of cure for this? And I'm like, gosh, she's so young and blah. <laughs> so I'm just going off. The Lord's probably like, oh, here we go again. So, <laughs> and I'm like, why? And, you know, it's like he says, you know, that's why you're still here. That's why you're still here. I'm like, okay. And that's why you, you know, you needed to go to the hospital. I'm like, okay. I don't still like it, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, but it does. Interesting. Thanks for sharing. Oh, sure. Um, I'm curious how your annual mammograms are for you. Do you feel yourself getting nervous in anticipation? I used to. In the very beginning, I used to be nervous. I used to send out texts calling all prayers and <laughs> the whole nine yards. And now, you know, mm-mm. At what point did it change? Probably over the last, I want to say maybe five years. Okay. Five years. And even now, I'll get to the point and I'll tell people, you know, I'm going to die, but I'm not dying from cancer. And that's just my outlook now. I'm just like, you know what? I'm done with you, it, whatever. And so that's how I I live my life now. Before, after the first diagnosis, I was just constantly looking over my shoulder like, are you coming back? When are you coming back? And every time I felt a pain or something, I was like, is that you again? <laughs> and so um, I don't do that now. I, mm-mm, no. So I might, you know, I just had my mammogram. I don't even know if I told my sister or anyone and if I did, it may have been something, someone I maybe have been communicating with at the time, and I may have said, I'm going to get my mammogram, say a prayer, but not like before, where I was just like, long yeah. text. Yeah. I do. I pray, yes, I pray and be like, okay, but I don't, you know. And I, I'm more thankful now than worried. So my prayers are different. It's more thank you that it's okay right. than it is, God, please let it be okay. Right, right. I, and I find myself praying more for the people sitting in that room. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell the people who may not have gotten such great news, which is heartbreaking. So every time I go, I find myself praying for everyone in the room. Yeah. Um, I'm curious also how you kind of your support, not your, you know, your inner circle. So your sister, any other family members, what your survivorship has meant for them and whether they're also kind of in a space where they're like oh cancer's done for Jacqueline I think they are now I have such a huge support system and they all in their unique ways they show their sign of solidarity like my sister will dye her hair pink my niece has a tattoo on her back and it's the breast cancer ribbon and she's it says faith is the cure Wow. Yeah, and so um, it, all my friends and every, they show their sign of solidarity um, for me, and I don't think even think they worry about it. Yeah, or think about it any longer. They, yeah. I think they applaud my survivorship, mm-hmm. and we keep going. So it's been eighteen years. 
Do you ever forget that you had cancer? Or no, do you think it's and I a don't want to. Reminder? No, it's a constant reminder. One, because I've had reconstructions, um, reconstructive surgery, so mm-hmm. I can't forget. Yeah. And it's funny because, <laughs> well, it's funny to me, and, and it's part of the humor <laughs> and laughter. So, you know, I and I'm to- I'm an open book. I'm totally transparent because I think you know by our stories people heal. So, you know, I don't, it doesn't look the same. And so, like, when I go get massages, I have to tell the technician, I was like, man, I want you to know, I don't look, look, I don't look the same. Because they're probably like, what is going on? <laughs> I was like, I'm a breast cancer survivor. I have an implant in one, and the other one's mine. They don't look the same. They don't feel the same. But I think that's um, also God's way of reminding me and keeping me humble right. with it. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I never forget. I don't think I'm supposed to. I don't want to. Yeah. Um, I can completely understand that. So you mentioned October, um, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Are there activities you get involved in? I know there's like you know the walk, the breast cancer walk in DC is pretty common, pretty popular. I'm, I'm, I'm. I like to think of myself as all in all year round. Now, am I more active in October? Absolutely, yes, I I am. But um, my thought process is people get diagnosed with breast cancer every day. And so I I can't just focus on it in October. I have to be um, willing to be an advocate every single day. And so I try to align myself with um, activities that help me do so all year long. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so we are coming up on the time. Is there anything you'd want kind of to say in closing to leave the audience with? Yeah, this, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a death sentence. And um, try to live your life which is with as much love, which is, with as much laughter, um, and as much, um, you know, happiness as you possibly can when the diagnosis happens, when you're going through the treatment options, throughout the whole journey. I'm just one of those people that me believes that you can find in every single, every single moment something to smile about. And take those little smiles and those little moments and hopefully prayerfully you look up one day and guess what um you can look in the rearview mirror and cancer you can say you know what okay it's over i'm done and life goes on that's amazing thank you so much for sharing your story jacqueline um and thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of when we had cancer